broadcasting to you live from the Badlands of Texas, 360 degrees around the earth, from Southern Australia all the way to Northern Ireland and every destination in between. You are listening to Midnight Radio, or you are watching filmed in front of a live audience on YouTube. I am your boy, Gerald Schmemans. And today is not today, but this week is Grievance Week. So I got a grievance for you. That person that said, I don't like this episode. He's screaming. Blow it out your ass. Grievance Week, everybody. What the hell does that mean? It means that on our radio station, which you can find on midnightrad.io or tune in, go to your tune in, get the app, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Android, get the tune in app, search Midnight Radio and favorite it, put a heart on it, go to iHeartRadio. We are now on our iHeartRadio. Pretty soon, we're going to do an official announcement on there. But for those of you that are just watching tonight, we've been, we're on there now. All right. On any device, even in your car now. In your car, broadcasting on, you know, iHeartRadio with iHeartMedia. All right. And this week, all of our DJs are just going to let all, all that, all the hate, all the anger, all the confusion out of your heart. Just let the black evil anger just out. So I'm going to go over a few things tonight that piss me off. I mean, a lot of the stories we go over piss, piss me off, you know. So for those of you that are new, who the fuck am I? My name is Jerry Adams, all right? I'm a DJ. I'm a radio station owner. I'm a writer. Um, the hell else am I? I'm an unemployed writer. How about that? And every day I go and I look at all the news and I find the most horrible, damn disturbing news articles. And I'm not looking for them on purpose. I'm not. I'm not bringing them to you on purpose. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I am. Maybe it's in my heart. It just grabs my attention. And I'm like, I read these things and I go, oh, my God, I've had some disturbing things happen to me in my life. Things well, let's just say I have nightmares every night and they don't go away. I share those nightmares with you. I think that's why I'm led on to these stories. They horrify me. I don't think they're funny. I don't think they're cute. I don't find them very damn entertaining. I find them horrifying and I'm horrified that we have people in our society that would do things like this. And I'm horrified that as, and I found some doozies that we're going to go over tonight. We're going to start with Idaho Brian Kohlberger let out, he had to, today was a deadline for him to give his alibi to the defense, and I have that alibi right up here I'm about to show you. We're going to talk about it right here. Phone number is 325-261-0892. I will leave that open if you care to call in. I'd like to thank our executive producers. Our executive producer is Lady Lisa. Lady Lisa, we thank you very much. Also, Sir Grant from the Land Down Under, thank you very much. You do keep this show going. Trust me, believe me, you do. Um, It's not only me saying that, but all of our DJs. If you donate anything, $20 or above, it goes to our radio station license. And our radio station, what we do is we have radio without limits. We can say whatever we want. No limits. We don't have a corporation telling us what we have to say. 
So it's all truth, all interesting. And that is supported by your donations to this YouTube station, this YouTube channel. Right? We're broadcasting live now on the radio. That's where it goes. Don't believe me. Ask our DJs. They can vouch for me no matter how many grievances they have. All right. So here's what we're going to do with this station, uh, this YouTube show. Let me tell you. It's on public right now, so anybody can watch it, okay? As soon as it's over, and we're going to be here an hour and a half, two hours, the video is going down, it's getting chopped up into little parts of the stories and then going up. And we have uh, the live on Friday, which is a big one where we talk about a lot of stories. That's for members only, and you won't be able to watch it live. So become a member if you're not a member because you get a lot of added benefits. If you're a member, the Discord is open for anybody, let's go ahead and start the show right now. It's time to start the show, everybody. By golly. All right, let me pull this. BK's uh, info. Right now. Okay, let me see how you can see it. All right. Let me go over it. Let me blow it up. Before I do that, I want to say hello to some people. And uh, talking about grievances this week, I'll tell you what. What they got going on in Idaho just seems very shady. All right, so I want to say hello to the following individuals. Hot Ham Radio. Everybody. Lisa Maxwell. Laura. I'm trying to remember her last name. Electra, Dragonfly, I haven't seen her in a while. Kit, Kitty Cat, hi Kitty Cat. And Backseat Gamer, Dilly, Pickles, everybody. Dilly Pickles, everybody. Man, y'all have been writing a lot. I'm having a hard time keeping up. Let's give him a hand. Her name is Laura Zienda. <laughs> She's like, what? All right, let's go over this, guys. I would like to thank uh, those who work with me on the background to get all this information to you. You know who you are, the person that gave me this document. In the district court of the second judicial district of the state of Idaho in and for the county of Lataw. State of Idaho is a plaintiff versus Brian Nothingburger, defendant, comes now Brian C. Kohlberger by and through his attorney of record and C. Taylor, public defender, and hereby files notice in response to the demand for alibi and in compliance with Idaho Code, whatever it is, and Idaho Criminal Rule 12.1. Mr. Nothingburger notes that Idaho 19-5194 preserves his constitutional right to silence as well as to testify on his own behalf. Mr. Nothingburger stamps firm on his constitutional right, as well as the statutory recognition of that right. Noteworthy is that an alibi indicates a line of proof by which the defendant attempts to show that he could not have committed the crime of which he is accused because he was elsewhere at the time. A defendant's denial of the charges against him 
does not constitute an alibi. But as soon as he offers evidence that he was at some other place other than where the crime of which he is charged was committed, he is raising the alibi defense. Mr. Kohlberger's defense team continues investigating and preparing his case. Evidence corroborating Mr. Kohlberger being at a location other than the King Road address will be disclosed pursuant to discovery and evidentiary rules as well as statutory requirements. It is anticipated this evidence may be offered by way of cross-examination of witnesses produced by the state as well as calling expert witnesses. The end. In other words, you know, one thing I love about what I'm able to do with this YouTube and uh, being able to have my own radio station, we can say whatever we want, freedom of speech, is you guys oftentimes think I'm a damn genius. You're like, Jerry, you're telling us stuff that comes true. How do you do that? It's because I don't beat around the bush. I call bullshit when I see it. This man has no alibi. And I think that when this goes to court, just like the Taylor Business case I'm watching now, which is why I played the Chopping Broccoli song, I couldn't help it. I'm a bad person sometimes. I'm going to have a video coming out about her soon and what's going on in that courtroom as she laughs at every defendant and at her own jokes that she's hearing from the voices in her head. He doesn't have jack squat, and Taylor doesn't have jack squat. The only thing she's really doing is trying to point out technicalities and things like training records and other such and such bullshit. I think it's going to be very cut and dry once we see all that the uh, prosecution does have. Now, it doesn't seem like they have much in the form of DNA or blood or hair. But I'm thinking they have a butt ton of other information, which is also physical. If your phone was physically somewhere pinged off another place, your silly ass is running circles around a house that people were murdered. Well, I mean, there's going to be a lot coming out about this case, but you're going to think I'm a genius when you realize this man has no alibi and they're not going to get an alibi from cross-examination bullshit. That's my prediction. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Damn it. His alibi is DoorDash. I just want to say hello to Adelino Santos. Thank you. Did I say that correctly? What else do we have here that I haven't said hello to? Uh, Jacqueline Hillhouse, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for showing up today. This is all there is to Brian Kohlberger's alibi. Nothing. Literally, in, in it... I'm telling you, this stuff pisses me off. Mr. Kohlberger's defense team continues investigating and preparing his case. Evidence corroborating Mr. Kohlberger being in a location other than the King Road address, other than the King Road address, will be disclosed pursuant to discovery and evidentiary rules as well as statutory requirements. It is anticipated this evidence may, it doesn't even say it will, it may be offered 
by way of cross-examination of witnesses produced by the state, as well as calling expert witnesses, I guarantee to you that he is not going to testify on his own behalf, which, of course, he doesn't have to. All right. Enough of this silly bastard. But, but he's innocent and too proven guilty. I don't give a shit. I'm not a prosecuting attorney. I'm a dude talking on YouTube, talking about common sense. All right. So don't give me that crap anymore. Again, this is grievance week. I got some grievances for people saying, but he's innocent until proven guilty. I don't give a sweet damn. This is YouTube. What, what it's your constitutional right for in the court of law isn't the same as your constitutional right for in YouTube, numb nuts. Nobody said that in the chat room, but they always do. So here we go. All right. So another thing we have a whole lot more information on because there's not a black hole of information like you get out of, um, like you're getting out of Idaho, which is a big damn pet peeve of mine. Holy crap. Is the Gildo Dildo beach murders. All right. The Gildo Dildo killer. They've been pulling a butt ton, a metric butt ton of stuff from his property i got lists i got interviews i got videos of it they have a damn underground bunker they're excavating remember remember when i said there's a reason why he's been living in that shithole his whole life is because his daddy was probably dirty he's dirty and has been doing this for a long time and there has to be a lot of evidence in that house All right, so here's what I'm about to do. We're going to go over our chat room. Me either. I want Alexa. Don't trust her, though, so my daughter gave me Google Nest Mini. Uh, That's a side conversation. Soundproof. Wow. All right. His alibi. Here's a good one. Talking about alibis. His alibi is probably sleeping. Possibly, quite possibly. All right, here we go, guys. Got News Nation for you. Not Banfield. Oh, but maybe she's coming up. Maybe. Just maybe. Well, just hours ago, the massive search at the Long Island home of the suspected Gilgo Beach serial killer ended. The next step for investigators is now to delve into this immense amount of evidence removed from that house, including that a life-sized doll in a glass encasing, as well as 279 weapons. Police say the suspect stashed inside a walk. Wait a second. In vault. Wait a second. A life-sized doll in a glass encasing. Sounds a lot like Annabelle, doesn't it? Man. Okay, it does look like a doll. I mean, I've I've heard a case of somebody digging up a glass coffin in their rose bush or something and finding out it was a little girl that was preserved in the 1800s. But this looks like Pinocchio. It's probably haunted. A life-sized doll in a glass encasing, as well as 279 weapons, police say the suspect stashed inside a walk-in vault. Rex Uriman is now in jail. He is charged with the murders of three women who have been sex workers, but he could potentially be tied to even more victims. Correspondent Sloan Glass is live on Long Island. And Sloan, this home still considered a crime scene? 
Nicole, the DA said that he can't say one way or another whether this house is considered a crime scene. Now, for 12 days, we have watched boxes of evidence being removed from the Hureman property, and soon all media will have to leave this neighborhood. Mon Hureman. Hureman Munster. But first, we were given close-up access to the Hureman home for the first time since we've arrived here. And the house of the suspected serial killer does not match the description of Hureman at work. Wow, look at that, everybody. Holy moly. Man. Fantastic. Man, every neighborhood has that guy. Successful and detail-oriented. It feels out of place next to the others on the street. We are told his home was also full of clutter, extending the length of the investigation of the property. We also learned that 279 weapons were taken from the vault in Hureman's basement. District Attorney Ray... Big man in a little house. Big man in a little house. You know what? I don't know how to say this. But if you really want to get some uh, evidence, the best place to look is in his easy chair. I bet on the left and the right of his easy chair has some funky things in it. Tyranny called the list of items recovered huge, but would not give specific details about what items were brought into evidence from the home or backyard. We now know that the backyard... That man, he wore that house like they're a pair of uh, biking shorts was excavated after ground technology picked up on disturbances in the human yard. DA Tierney telling us today no human remains were found, but investigators are still sorting through trace evidence recovered from inside the house and backyard. No human remains were found. Were any human remains found? No. Uh, well, what I would say is we're still going over the trace evidence, but, uh, you know, they were asking about with regard to the excavation in the back, if, if there were any large items of evidence recovered in the answer. To that. For those of you that are watching right now, you hang on, you hang on. We're going to see his wife here in a little bit. Ah, his ex-wife, soon to be ex-wife. Question is no. I have a question for you women out there, and I know there's a lot of women out there. If your man, she, she, you know, she... You know, everybody likes to say he's innocent until proven guilty, which is true in a court of law, but we're in the court of public opinion. Um, it seems like as a lady, a woman, as a wife, you'd have to save face and divorce his ass the very first chance you got just because, you know, you're a woman. Feel like something you'd be compelled to do. You know, she doesn't have any evidence of anything, does she? Although... You know, all these things did happen to correlate when he sent her overseas to be with her family because she was from overseas. Uh, I can't remember Denmark or something, I believe. But we're going to go into that in a little minute. I think that you would feel like you would absolutely have to do something like that. Divorce his ass. Phone number is 325-261-0892. Women, I'm talking to you. This is Grievance Week here on Midnight Radio. What would you do? If you found out that your man was a serial killer, phone line is open. We're waiting for your call. The DA does not believe that this investigation is limited to New York State, but interesting, Nicole. Sure. Iceland, thank you, Mrs. Pickles and Mrs. Laura. Under New York State law, cannot have his DNA entered into the national DNA database unless he is convicted of a crime. 
Thank you for watching. Go to NewsNationNow.com to find NewsNation on... Thank you for watching. It's fantastic. Oh, here's a huge list of items. We're going to go over them again. I'm going to go over everything. Damn it. I'm sorry. I'm just waiting for Banfield. Uh, pardon the interruption. I understand that there's a press conference underway in Long Island on the Gilgo Beach serial killer investigation. I will come back to you, but let's take that live now. That was recovered, so we're just going to have to go through it. But it's it's uh, the, the list of, of items is, is quite large. Inside the vault or inside the house in general? In other words, was there anything besides the firearms found? I'm, I'm not going to specifically talk about uh, you know where everything was uh, w was recovered in, in the house until the uh, the uh, all of the uh, the pictures and the uh, the reports have been gone over. Was the vault I need a storage area, or could people actually enter it? It it's, it was a, a large enough area for people uh, people to enter, but uh, like the rest of the house, it was cluttered. Would you I need to clarify something. It was a cluttered, it was, it was a, uh, there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, of just, you know, boxes and, and, and it was a very cluttered, I would say, environment. DA, I need to clarify something, please. Because he's not convicted, can you not check his DNA against the six other people found along Ocean Parkway? I didn't say that. That's what I'm trying to clarify. Yeah. I, you asked me about the database. The okay. database is, is national and that has, uh, that has um, you know, I am not the, uh, the or, or the, the members of our task force are not uh, the guardians of that uh, database. Uh, but with what we can do with regard to our own investigation is. You know, there's a lot of claims that the police department there in Long Island that have been investigating this case have been corrupt. And maybe that they, the previous com police commissioner was doing a friend for a friend when he kicked the FBI out and they didn't find Von Heurman. All right. And he gave an interview with NBC the other day and I played it and I'm trying to remember the name of uh, the guy. Anyway, he, he said that he was the current commissioner, so I didn't report on it correctly, but he, that was the old commissioner, the one that he was actually indicted for corruption, by the way. Of course, the ass clown on NBC didn't talk about it. Um, I'll find that clip and play it here in a little bit. And I'm going to, we're not going to watch this whole thing, but just a relevant partially start going over this long list of weird stuff. Is completely different. So you can't, one doesn't necessarily have to do with the other. That makes sense. CA, I come in a little late. Were any human remains found? No. Uh, well, what I would say is we're still going over the trace evidence, but, uh, you know, they were asking about with regard to the excavation in the back, if, if there were any large items of evidence recovered, and the answer to that question is no. Was there what any evidence, evidence in the backyard of crime scene burned? or an alleged crime scene? I'm sorry? Do you consider this home a crime scene or an alleged crime scene at this point? I uh, consider this a uh, home in which we execute a search warrant. Was there what any evidence, evidence in the backyard of crime being burned? I can't specifically say one way or the other. Can you tell us what led up to the decision then to excavate? Was there any tangible cause or was it routine? So there was, there was, um, there was ground, um, you know, uh, technology that was able to see through the ground, and there were a number of disturbances that were found in the ground. Um, you know, uh, but until you dig it up, you don't know what it is. What do you mean by a dis how would you explain Like a disturbance could be like a, like a, uh, uh, like a, a cistern or, or uh, you know, a, uh, a branch or, uh, yeah, a uh, bicycle, uh, anything that's buried under the ground. 
Uh, you can see the, the impression of it, but you don't necessarily know what it is until you, you dig it up. And then where does the investigation stand with the number of sex workers who now say they were contacted by you? So uh, when we started our investigation, we did it through the grand jury. That that investigation was uh, was uh, we wanted to maintain the uh, the secrecy of the grand jury investigation. Obviously, uh, that you know now that uh, there's been an arrest, it's become public. So we are in, uh, in interviewing a great many people. We're we're interviewing a great uh, great many great many people, but we're, we're going to keep what our conversations, uh, what con- what if any conversations we have with our witnesses between between us and the and and the witnesses. How do you feel about what the witnesses are coming from? They are different states. I'm sorry. Are these witnesses coming from different states? Uh, this I don't think that this this uh, investigation is limited to New York State. Certainly. Regarding the Chevy Avalanche, you have often spoken about March 14, 2022 watershed moment, you were able to identify him as a suspect. There's been a lot of talk in the last 12 days about clues missed early on, like this car wasn't looked at. I mean, can you explain why that might may have happened? So I think we laid it out um, um, pretty extensively in our bail letter, uh, you know, uh, for, for us. Uh, for our task force, you know, our task force started February 1st, 2022. Uh, six weeks later, we had identified this uh, individual as, as a target. Uh, and we, we talked about a number of factors which led us, uh, allowed us to do that. Uh, the, the hairs that we spoke about, the five uh, hairs uh, note of note uh, with regard to the, the bodies, those were recovered shortly after the bodies were uh, recovered in December of 2010. With regard to the phone evidence, uh, that work was done uh, and completed by the FBI in uh, early to 2012. And, um, you know, and with regard to the avalanche, that information was uh, was made available shortly after the uh, the disappearance of Amber Costello. But again, when you. So I'm going to go to the chat room. They're saying some really informed things. The wife can divorce him. It sucks for the kids. Yep. Want to know how you feel about this? This is a talk show. Damn it. It is the Aaron and grievances. You guys grieve me by not calling in. And I'm not talking about Electra. Her not calling in doesn't grieve me. Adelel Santos, Electric Reed, was thinking the same. So they did excavate some of the land around there, and we're going to show you that here in a little bit. I think he does have trophies. I'm pretty sure of it. No human remains doesn't mean the absence of DNA. Absolutely not. It's a dirty man, been doing some dirty things. Dilly Pickles, no one has worse swamp ass than the Rex. Von Hurtman. You look at everything, uh, you know, th- that is, uh, you know, three three items that, that are in and amongst thousands of, of items. So I think retrospectively, it's, it's, it's kind of simple to look at. But when you're looking at everything, uh, all the evidence at once, it's, it's, it's an enormous undertaking. And that's why, uh, to guarantee uh, success, you bring in really talented investigators from a whole bunch of different agencies who use the... Notice this is nothing like Idaho. They're just giving us everything they can possibly give us. But not Idaho. Resources of those agencies and you work uh, together uh, on a daily basis. But people say it was more than a year. So March, March of 2022, they weren't saying that it worked. But people in the neighborhood say, well, it was a year. It was more than a year. Well, 
I'm, I'm saying to the residents that a 13-year-old cold case doesn't get, get, get solved in, uh, in uh, you know, a matter of, of, of weeks or days. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the um, DNA evidence in and of itself was, was a very you know, lengthy, arduous process, uh, which required the, the cooperation of a number of agencies. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, these things take time. Also, the grand jury process in uh, New York State, in order to charge somebody, you, you need to go, you need to charge them, and you need to, you know, in the case of, of this nature. All right, enough of this clown. All right. How about this? Three new shocking discoveries. This just came out an hour ago. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from your boy, Jesse Weber. Law and crime. Uh, there is a vault. Big fan here. Uh, we secured a uh, numerous amount of guns. Suffolk County's police commissioner separating fact from fiction in the Gilgo Beach murder investigation. We discussed three shocking items police have found so far. Introducing the next generation of pepper spray. Meet Palm, a new maximum strength self-defense product with a patented modular design, revolutionizing the self-defense industry. Welcome to Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. I'm in Drive from Gilgo Beach. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure who's saying that we knew about the uh, uh, Green Avalanche in, in 2010. Uh, I, I will say that we uh, came about that information uh, maybe a couple years ago, uh, but we were unable to attach it to uh, the massacre box, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison described the search as fruitful. Curaman is being held without bail for the murders of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. He is suspected in a fourth death, the murder of Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Curaman maintains his innocence and has pleaded not guilty. Joining me to discuss what has been found at the home is Joe Jackalone. He is a retired sergeant with the NYPD and also the author of the new book, The Cold Case Handbook. Joe, welcome back to Sidebar. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me again, Engineer. Yeah, we're not going to play all this. Uh, the police have been searching the no, hundred. Oh, holy crap. Hundreds <laughs> is what we've kind of heard, but. Uh, talk to me about why a residential home would contain items. You know, there may be trophies if crimes were committed in the dug up that entire backyard. The hell is this? They busted out his windows or did he do that himself? Hard. It reminds me almost of John Wayne Gacy and the crawl space underneath his. There are many questions that remain unanswered. How the hell does this? podcast so popular all right let me move on this is oh time for your girl banfield let's go one step further a lawyer representing two Did you guys see that let's go one step further a lawyer i think she's having a seizure let's go one step further a lawyer let's go one step further a Let's go one step further. A lawyer. Let's go one step further. A lawyer represent. Let's go one step further. A lawyer representing. Let's go one step further. A lawyer represent. Let's go one step further. A lawyer representing two victims found on Gilgo Beach, not charged in the Rex Herman case at this point. His name's John Ray, and he. I'd like to say hello to Sue Zamak. Green Electric Mama blog. And Green Electric Mama blog. Haven't seen you in a while. I have seen you, though. It's been a hot minute. Very strange music. Uh, made a noise. He's scratching noises. And 
then showed a clip of a reporter reporting on Gilgo Beach back from 2012 in that time and then spoke. Now, uh, our daughter had gone to um, another state, had been in San Diego, uh, and she had left it all blue uh, because she was a runner, a race walker. And uh, that's where she was going, to race walk with trainers that train in the Olympics. She's 18 years old. First time away from the house by her in her whole life from her parents. And the, the, the man speaking said he described a, a girl in blue. And he mentioned that she was in California and she was by a window. And our daughter was right by a window and climbed out the window with a cell phone in her hand. And it just completely transfixed us. Five seconds later uh, he, he, or so, he called... Uh, her mother and did exactly the same thing. It was all taped. It was all very well, well thought out and carefully prepared. In March, uh, I get home late at night. I work hard. You know, I usually eat dinner around nine o'clock. Uh, so it's an unusual time. I, I get home. We're in a house with a lot of windows in the dark, surrounded by forest and up on a hill. And uh, we, I'm eating. I just start to eat with my family. Same guy calls. Same same pattern that I just described with the, the playing of the, the Gilgo Beach. And this time he says, uh, I hope you're enjoying your dinner. And then says, and I hope you're going to enjoy eating your pizza. With that, within five seconds later, the doorbell rings and uh, Domino's pizza delivery man was there with three pizzas standing there. We did not order any pizzas. So when we called the do- we called the police and we called Domino. Ew. We need that pizza. It was pizza to find out how the call came in. And they said the Domino's man said it was a woman who called in with a man in the background speaking. I want to order some pizzas. And acting like they were ordering, you know, pineapples and ham on the on the pizza, that sort of thing. So and they they uh, somehow convinced them to send the pizzas over without paying for them. I it apparently had something to do with my telephone number that they had. So uh, this was absolutely paralyzing because we know he, for that to happen, he had to been surveilling us through our windows. Uh, it was very scary. But if it's uh, if it's, I, I mean, it to it, it's scaring me just. Yeah, just hearing this story is frightening to me, John. I after reporting it to the police. You think maybe a woman is involved? You think? That the missus, uh, his wife, had something to do with the murders? You think she was his partner on this? Or maybe he had another woman. Maybe there's a woman that helped lure other women in that we haven't heard about yet. And uh, her escaping, you know, and divorcing him and saying she knew nothing. It's part of their plan all along. Or maybe it was just some random jacker smacker off the street ordering pizza for folks. What do you think? The phone number is... 325-261-0892. Now you can call that number. That number is not through the internet or anything, so it won't mess us up here. If you want to call that number, the comment or question, 325-261-0892, by golly. Police, and now since the arrest of Rex Hurman, have you had any further contact with the police to see if perhaps they've now been able to trace, because they've done a lot of work on his phones, to trace and see if any of those phone calls to you were made by him? And if not, do you think it's Rex? I don't know if it's this fellow, but when 
I, I, uh, okay, so we have, I, we have this comment right now from Electra. How is he like BTK? BTK broke into people's homes and killed them. Totally different. I'm wondering too, some of you guys are saying that and I have a clip coming up about when actually BTK making, um, some comments about this case, but how is this guy like BTK? Did BTK, uh, order pizzas for folks? Phone number three two five two six one zero eight nine two. I'm reading the chat room too. Mother, we're at the arraignment of of, of this of this man, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, it, it, this giant ogre is standing there, and that uh, and and DA Ray Tierney's talking about a, that they caught him with a pizza and they show a pizza box. I, I mean. So I, it, right away, both of us thought, what, could that be? You know, could could it be him? It, it could be. I mean, I don't know if it is or not, but it, it's somebody that's that plans this really well. It was an intelligent, ugly, horrifying thing, and he, he makes this screechy noise too, his weird kind of noise like that. It's a human voice making that noise. So, and it's 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 long. The call is long. It's not not you know five seconds. So. Somebody's thinking this up and doing it. For what reason? I have no idea, except in January, I, be, I was activating the examination of various witnesses in the case I have for Shannon Gilbert by taking their depositions. So things were moving again. And as soon as they moved, we got these calls. Just one last question. Have you had any calls since Rex Hureman was arrested last Thursday? Uh, not, not really. We, we, you know, we get calls all the time where people hang up that you can't count, but I haven't had any calls like the ones that I just described since, since, uh, March. We, we, you know, I, I hope that as you look into here this, at the go ahead. Yeah, we had, Recently? we had a call here, but not when, you know, before he got arrested, of course, at where this, that screeching voice was called here at the office. Hey! I would like to order some pizza. And you could hear in the background, it was like people in a bar. But my whole family was here at the time the call was made. That happened twice. And uh, both times the whole family was here at the office. Wouldn't you like a nice slice of pizza? So why, you know, why did that happen? I don't know. But it, it, it was similar. John, do me a favor as you continue to investigate this. And like I said, they have his cell phone records uh, pretty extensively by now. If you discover that those calls were indeed from Rex Hewerman in your conversations with police, hopefully this case is still, um, you know, open and active. Put a secret ingredient in your pizza. (laughs) On their part, please let us know. Uh, It is chilling to hear that, and I'm sorry that you and your family have had to go through it. Thank you for being on tonight and telling the story. Thank you for watching. I'm sorry they delivered your pizza. All right, now I'm talking about the killer's wife. Accused serial killer's wife spotted for the first time since his arrest. Serial killer for the first time. The wife of the alleged serial killer caught leaving the house. She drives me crazy. Like no one else. Fox News Digital with these exclusive she images. Drives me crazy and I can't help myself. I just want a Triscuit pizza. Clip on tie. That's what we had for dinner tonight. Pepperoni pizza. 
Same day that she filed for divorce from her husband, Rex Hewerman. Uh, he is the New York City architect, now facing half a dozen cold case murder charges. Uh, Nancy Grace, host of Crime Stories on Fox Nation, with me now. Uh, Nancy, good morning to you. Learning a few more details. Apparently, he had two of these vehicles that he kept in a small town of Chester, South Carolina, which if you look at a map, I mean, it's south of Charlotte, it's west of Columbia, it's... It's pretty much farm country, as it appears to me, very rural. Um, what do you make of that? And also, I want to know. Let's hear it for Nancy, everybody. <laughs> I would let Nancy order me a pizza any day of the week. What you make of the search thus far about what we think we're learning about his home 45 minutes east of New York City. Thank you for inviting me. Right now, they better take that house down to the studs because in searches that I have oversaw and conducted. I'm sure that she means not until after the trial. You've got to look under the carpet, under the baseboards in case there is blood that has seeped down. You've got to go in there with luminol. You have to be very careful that you do not displace fibers or hair that may belong to these victims. And I'm sure they're looking for trophies, not from just these three women. Serial killers often keep trophies, but from other victims we haven't even found yet. That may what do you guys think about that doll that was in that glass case? Do you think it's like Annabelle says, do not touch, do not open until the end of the world? Maybe that was some kind of creepy-ass trophy. Maybe disposed of in other places. That's what's happening at the search of the home right now. Down to the studs. Mm. It only took her six days after the shock arrest to file for divorce. She processed that pretty quickly. I'm talking about Hewerman's wife, who apparently had no idea what was going on. We understand that she was shown images of her husband buying uh, burner phone minutes, buying burner phones, and profiles of him on dating websites. Websites that were. Booyah, guys, this is very significant what she's saying here because we learned earlier in the week that the police went and confronted Von Hurman's wife and she said, Your husband is under suspicion of being the Gildo Dildo Beach Killer. And she says, No, it couldn't be. And then they showed her some pictures and she said, Well, damn, I guess so. All right, that wasn't released by the police. What was shown to her, Nancy doesn't give a damn, and she's releasing it because they talked to the media, all right? So this is very significant, right here, what she's saying. Nancy spills the beans. No idea what was going on. We understand that she was shown images of her husband buying uh, burner phone minutes, buying burner phones, and profiles of him on dating websites that were used by sex workers. I think that was the nail in the coffin. She just recently broken cover, but she's going to have to speak at some point because three of her hairs that we know of are on the victims. Regarding South Carolina, can I also... Point Please. your attention toward, direct you toward Vegas, where he also has a timeshare that he would visit without his wife. The South Carolina. I'll tell you something else is creepy. Oh, that's a bad man. I got. We can't let Nancy go down like that. Carolina. All right. I also thought it was creepy as hell that he had a storage unit in Amityville, you know, like the Amityville Horror. Someone that did a documentary 
on Amityville that produced a documentary about it. Uh, scared the shit out of me doing it to hear that Von Herman and we don't hear, we haven't heard anything about what they found in that storage unit yet. I haven't heard guns, uh, you know, rakes or tools. I've heard anything yet. We will though. Compound is near his brother where Nancy will tell us. Apparently there's another Chevy avalanche. Hmm. Well, in, in Nevada, you're saying? In addition to the two? Vegas. Yeah, in yes. addition to the two in yes. South Carolina. Yes, he has a timeshare in, yes, he's got a compound in South Carolina. And I've looked at the entry. Uh, it, it says, no trespassing, don't enter without a warrant, and a skull and crossbones. He doesn't want That's funny. Uh, somebody in the chat room said, what did the wife think of that display? And I assume she's talking about the doll that was in the display. I would have said, you weirdo, get that out of here. But, guys... How many of you have had a wife that has that one doll that she keeps? Sometimes she keeps it, you know, in a, a display case, a, some kind of display. I've seen it before. So maybe that was the wife's. Man. You to come in there, and apparently, according to neighbors there, he's trying to buy up the area for more what? Rural area? I would be very carefully looking at that area with ground-penetrating radar to see if the dirt had been disturbed. But also, he's got a timeshare in a luxe place out in Vegas where he would visit without his wife and children. When asked in a 2017 deposition, you go there for business or pleasure, sir, he says, uh, I guess you could call it pleasure. Man, I would be all over that like a cheap well, suit. Uh, what? Man, I was a 17 deposition. You go there for business or pleasure, sister pleasure, sir. He says, sir, he says, uh, I guess you could call it pleasure. Man, I would be all over that like a should be all over that pleasure. Pleasure. Cheap well, suit. I want to quote Amanda as the sister, apparently, of one of the victims here. Her name is Melissa Bartholomew. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, on these. Um, taunting phone call she said he knew my name he knew what i looked like in the final call he said he'd kill her and that's the statement that she has given investigators for some time nancy you know very quickly now the truth comes out in the chat room here my daughter thinks of a creepy wicked santa decoration you weird doll people lisa my mom has a similar snowman affliction my nanny Bought me a porcelain doll. It freaks me nowadays, but I've since had it. I was about eight. See? You guys are all some creepy people. Women, I'm telling you, women love some creepy dolls. I mean, let it let it be known. Let it out of your heart. Lee, uh, this victim's sister got a call from the killer. Two things. He is an amateur. He's so consumed by sadism, torturing other people that he overlooked common sense and left a trail. He's an amateur. The hell does that mean? Is that the difference between someone that's paid for what they do as opposed to someone that just does it for the thrill of their loins, which is sick. What if the doll was his mom? Nancy, um, more to come on this. Really feels like we're in the early days. Nancy, after the show, can you and I go out for a pizza? 
There's a new place downtown that's called Pleasure Pizza. I hear they have some big pineapples. This, and we'll talk again very soon. Nancy Grace, thanks. I'm Steve. Nancy Grace, everybody. (laughs) Wrong button. (laughs) Damn it, I did it again. Oops. Nancy did it again. She played with your heart. Long Island murder. Police dig up suspect's backyard. Now, here's where it gets creepy when they're digging up his backyard. I must say. Investigators in New York have been digging in the backyard of suspected serial killer Rex Hewerman. The 59-year-old is charged with killing three women whose bodies were discovered along Gilgo Beach in 2010. Hewerman is also a suspect in a fourth murder. Authorities are trying to determine whether any of the murders took place at his Long Island home. They reportedly found a soundproof room in his basement. Hewerman has pleaded not guilty to the charges. A soundproof room in his basement. BTK killer weighs in on the Gildo Beach murders. Some of you guys might just be tuning in. I'm going to get a bunch of grievances about me saying Gildo Beach murders instead of Gilgo. Well, here's the deal. I'm from Texas. I have a Texas accent. And when I say Gilgo, most times it sounds like Gildo or Jildo. So I'm doing the best I can. I decided to just go ahead and say Gildo, all right? One of history's most prolific serial killers, Dennis Rader, known as BTK, now weighing in on the Long Island serial killer case from behind bars. The man who bound, tortured, and killed... Just so you guys know, this jackass comments on every serial murder that gets caught, and I don't play it, but I'm going to play it this one time. Because, you know, I don't... I don't feel that his opinion matters at all. I think he should just, you know, burn for the things that he's done. So I don't think he deserves any notoriety at all, but I'm going to make this one exception. I'm probably right. I shouldn't do it, but here we go. 10 people in Kansas writing in a letter to a national media outlet that Rex Hewerman is his clone. He likes to interject himself because like he, my dad considers himself. And here's another problem with this. His daughter freaks me the hell out. You put a mustache and some sideburns on her. And this poor lady looks just like her father freaks me the hell out. And also she's a writer without a lot of not a good one. And she does what she does. She's getting notoriety off her father, her father being a murderer. And she gets every opportunity she does to sell her book. And um, one of the things she writes about is almost like how she's a victim because of what her father did. Like one of the big time guys. Though his estranged daughter, Carrie Rawson, admits there are striking similarities. Both are 59 when they were arrested. They're both family men. They both had two kids. They both lived in the suburbs. They both held jobs for the whole time. Neither of them had an arrest record. Um, they both strangle, they both um, bind. One of Hewerman's alleged victims of the Gilgo Four was Amber Costello. I, I miss her terribly. Her aunt, Bonnie Sassy, speaking out about feeling relief after a long-awaited arrest and knowing that the Chevy Avalanche allegedly seen picking Amber up helped lead to his capture. 
you know, thank God, because we were, I was thinking they'll never catch him. Two Chevy Avalanche trucks belonging to Hewerman were towed from his properties. Incidentally, we obtained court filings in Brooklyn that reveal Hewerman has an open lawsuit against a Long Island woman claiming she crashed into his 2012 Chevrolet in Williamsburg last year, leaving him with serious injuries. Two weeks ago, this individual was walking amongst our streets uh, in New York City in Massapequa Park and now confined to a six by nine uh, cell. The Suffolk County Sheriff giving insight into the accused serial killer's life in isolation, saying he's been withdrawn while being watched around the clock. It said to us that he would not give us any issues or would there, um, he wouldn't be any problems to us while he's incarceration. Well, he's met with no visitors except for his attorney. And now that investigators have Hewerman's DNA sample, they are scanning a national database to determine if he's possibly connected to any other unsolved cases. This is a process, though, which takes some time to complete. Of course it does. All right, now I've got some reading to do for you. This is about the excavation of his backyard. And I got more information this way, so I'm going to go over it again. This is from... The Guardian, I always like to get the UK newspapers because they have more information. Investigators have been digging in the yard at the Long Island home of Rex Hjordman, who was charged earlier this month with killing at least three women and burying their remains on a remote stretch of Beach Highway. The 14th of July arrest of Hjordman, a 59-year-old architect, marked a stunning breakthrough in the Long Island cold case that first drew headlines in 2010. When... Police began searching for a missing woman, Shannon Gilbert, near Long Island, Gildo Beach. Instead, they discovered 10 sets of human remains scattered along a long barrier island. The dead included eight women, one man, and a young child. On Sunday, a yellow excavator was seen scooping dirt in the alleged killer's backyard. According to aerial footage shared by News 12, investigators could be seen scraping through the freshly upturned earth with shovels. The digging equipment was still on the scene as of Monday morning. A neighbor told the Associated Press that he witnessed men who appeared to be police lifting the front porch of the house on Sunday afternoon. Oh, really? Police lifting the front porch of the house. It makes me wonder if that messed up front porch wasn't some of their doing, right? Anyway, they yelled lift and brought it up in one big piece as if it was a cover, barely Ashland said. Well, that explains it. The porch has been replaced by a white tent with a state medical examiner's truck parked nearby. Investigators are trying to determine whether any of the killings happened inside the Massapequa Park home that Hilderman shared with his wife and two children. Authorities have pulled more than 100 firearms from the house along with a large doll encasing glass in a portrait of a woman with a bruise in her face. Police also obtained a warrant to conduct searches of Hurman's property in South Carolina. Hurman has pleaded not guilty. Wow, really? Was charged with killing three of the women, Melissa Bartmay, Bartlemy, Amber Costello and Megan Waterman. He is also the prime suspect in the death of a fourth woman, Maureen Bernard Barnes. Excavator spotted digging 
At Gildo Beach, serial killer suspect's home as police unearthed underground vault. Fascinating. What the hell are they trying to show me here? All right. Investigators have been spotted digging in the backyard of Rex Hilderman's home amid reports that the Gildo Beach serial killer suspect may have killed at least one victim inside his basement. Search teams carried out what was described as a major excavation on Sunday at the one-story home in Massapequa Park, where the 59-year-old architect lived with his wife and two children in bliss. In addition to digging up Mr. Kerman's backyard, investigators looked in a walking vault with a big iron door. They described the search as fruitful. Cadaver dogs and a ground-penetrating radar machine were brought in to scour the ground before excavators were seen digging up the earth with a backhoe. At one point, a large wooden deck was dismantled and a blue tent was erected to shield the search from view. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harris told ABC News that they were working under the assumption that the victims, Mr. Kuerman, is accused of murdering, met their deaths at the home. Mr. Harrison said he expects the search and seizure operation to wrap up later this week, and it has. Now they're cataloging and looking for DNA and whatnot. Not only did the slain women's phone ping near the Massapequa home, but Mr. Hurman's family is also believed to have been away around the time of their disappearances, according to phone records. However, no concrete evidence has been found, Mr. Harrison said. I guess this means that he can still get off. Can we confirm that someone was killed inside the house? We can't confirm that at this time, he told the news outlet. A neighbor told the New York Post on Sunday that authorities had found a soundproof room in the basement of the home. That Mr. Kuerman is believed to have killed at least one of his victims down there. He might have just been practicing the damn drums. He got a soundproof room in his basement, said Robert Musto, a 64-year-old longtime neighbor, so that he had been told by law enforcement on the scene. What do you think that was for? They say there's evidence he killed at least one of the girls down there. The cops are going to dig all that out. So they're focused on the soundproof room in the basement, but they're going to look at everything. A former co-worker confirmed the existence of a soundproof basement room to the paper, claiming that the accused serial killer once took time off work in order to carry out the bizarre construction of the vault in his family home. The individual was not named, recalled Mr. Hulerman, building the concrete line vault, which is around two to three feet thick. It's not just a hidden room. It's a serious vault, they said. It had a huge heavy-duty safe door. He went and poured new concrete walls, a massive amount of concrete to encase this room. It was maybe two or three feet thick. Officials are probing the possibility that the accused serial killer killed the victims inside his family home. His wife and two children were out of town at the time. Each of the three murders he is charged with occurred. Law enforcement sources previously told CNN that a vault of some sort had been located in the basement of the home and that a trove of up to 300 firearms had been found inside. The Mary father of two had 92 legal gun permits and was a keen hunter. In the 11 days since Mr. Hulerman was arrested, in connection in the, ser- the infamous serial killer case, investigators have been searching for evidence try- tying him to the murders, including any trophies taken from the victims. We don't know what they found yet.
Last year, a registration search showed that local man Mr. Herman owned a first-generation model of truck at the same time Costillo's disappearance. He also matched the witness's description of the man believed to be the killer, a large, white, ogre-like male in his mid-40s. Around 6'4 to 6'6 tall with dark, bushy hair and a big oval-style 1970s type eyeglasses. Discovery of the car led investigators to hone in on Mr. Hurman, including executing a 300 subpoena search warrants and other legal processes to obtain evidence to determine his potential involvement in the killings. Moving on. All right, this is... So, for those of you that are tuning into this video, I'm, this is a case about an 83-year-old Marietta man, former pastor arrested in a cold case murder of an 8-year-old girl. We're going to go over this. If you haven't, go ahead and become a member. That way, you have access to the lives where we talk about these cases on. And if you like, go ahead and hit that like button. Marietta, Georgia, an 83-year-old Marietta man who's a former pastor has been arrested in the cold case murder of an 8-year-old girl in Pennsylvania. Gretchen Harrington was attending Bible, Bible summer camp in 1975 in Marple Township when she vanished when walking from her home to one of the camp's two locations. Skeletal remains were found at a state park in Edmond Township on October 14th. The coroner determined she died of blunt impact to the head, which he classified as a homicide. At the time, the Bible camp was housed in two churches, including the one where Gretchen's father was a pastor, Reformed Presbyterian Church. David Zanster was the reverend at the other church, Trinity Church Chapel Christian Reformed Church in Maple Town, Marple Township. On the day she disappeared, August 15th, Gretchen was supposed to start her day at Trinity and then go to the Reformed Church with the other campers later that day. I'm going to go ahead and play this news story here, and then we're going to talk about it and finish this article on the flip side. Tonight with the pastor who was arrested for the murder of an eight-year-old girl nearly 50 years ago. Gretchen Harrington disappeared in a Philadelphia suburb in 1975. Police say her killer was living in Marietta for nearly 20 years. Channel 2's Candace McCowan is live now at the Cobb County Jail. And Candace neighbors, they must be shocked to learn the retired pastor they lived right next to confessed to murder. Wendy, investigators are calling this man evil, but neighbors, they say this is the type of person that would come to your house and comfort you after your loved one passed away. And they are finding it hard to believe that the retired pastor that lived next door to them is now locked up here in the Cobb County Jail on some gruesome charges. Yeah, they've been wonderful people. They've always checked on us, and my husband had an illness, and they helped him a lot, you know, checked on him. It's all hard to reconcile. 83-year-old David Zanstra living in this quiet Marietta neighborhood with his wife, but investigators say he was carrying a gruesome secret for almost five decades. He murdered with his bare hands this poor young girl, and then lied about it for 48 years. In 1975, eight-year-old Gretchen Harrington was on her way to Bible camp in a small town outside of Philadelphia when she vanished. Her body was found later. But for decades, her case was cold until recently when a witness was re-interviewed. She was able to provide information that she believed at the time that he was a potential monster. And when Pennsylvania State Police flew to Atlanta, they say David Zanstra told them everything. He got her in the car, drove her to a... Location 
asked her to take off her clothes. She refused. The DA says he then performed a sex act and beat her to death. He was relieved, I would say. He, it was like a weight was lifted off his shoulders. Zanstra was the pastor at the church where eight-year-old Gretchen was headed that day. In the years since, he has pastored in California and Texas, retiring in Marietta, where neighbors had no idea who was really living next door. Just can't believe it. He's a friendly guy. I've been, I talked to him even a few times, say, hey. I see him walking around with his cane. Zanstra, a man who proclaimed to love a just God, now a murder suspect who investigators call a monster. He's going to die in jail. And then he's going to have to find out what the God he professes to believe in holds for those who are this evil. Channel 2's Candace McCowan joins us back live from the Cobb County Jail where Zanstra is fighting extradition to Pennsylvania. And Candace, investigators, they've indicated there could be more victims. Wendy, they said they do believe because of his access to other children that there might be other survivors or victims of sexual abuse at the hands of Pastor Zandra. They are asking any other victims in any other state, including California and Texas, maybe even here in Georgia, to come forward to local authorities. Wendy? Just goes to show how a cold case can even warm up and really get to the heart of things there. Candace McCown reporting live. Thank you. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Here's something on the odd scale. A 26-year-old man. I'm not seeing the picture. Maybe our internet. Ah, uh, there we go. He looks like Sideshow Bob. A 26-year-old man who posed as a high school student arrested on sex crime charges. This is fresh from the 21st. A 26-year-old Nebraska man accuses posing as a high school student at two different schools. has been arrested on sex crime charges. Zachary of Lincoln faces three charges, two counts of sexual assault, use of an electronic device, and one count of sex trafficking of a minor. Following what started as a fraud investigation, police began their investigation on June 1st after being alerted about an individual impersonating a student. The individual had enrolled under the name Zach Hess at Northwest High School during the first semester of the 2022-23 year before transferring to Southeast High School during the second semester. The purported 17-year-old Hess was actually determined to be 26-year-old Silch, who had graduated from Lincoln School District in 2015. He went to the same district he'd been in before. You dumb ass. Mr. Sitch is approximately 5'4", 120 pounds, and appears to have blended in with other students. He's a little guy. Von Heerman couldn't have done anything like that, that's for sure. Further investigation uncovered multiple contacts with juvenile students by Silch. Using the name Hess, leading to his arrest on the sex crime charges. The charge of sexual assault use of an electronic device could mean engaging with someone via a phone or computer, while an individual could be charged with sex trafficking of a minor if you coerce or pay for certain items. Sitch was arrested and booked into the Lancaster County Jail on Thursday. He was scheduled to be arraigned Friday afternoon. It's unclear if he has an attorney. Jackson said police are working to identify the scope of his actions. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave it right there. And I'm going to give you this. There's a 28-year-old woman who enrolled in high school also. We're going to have something going around lately. So from the sheriff's office standpoint, uh, Monday, May the 9th, 
we were notified. In fact, I was called personally by Superintendent Ortling uh, that he wanted to meet, that they had an issue uh, with a student potentially being overaged. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, uh, much older than is allowed uh, for a student to be enrolled at, at, a, at, a, at a public high school. Um, and so we did, in fact, meet, and immediately uh, I turned that over to my detective bureau to do an investigation. Um, we were provided with basically a birth certificate uh, from the uh, country of Honduras, which indicated that the student in question was 17 years old. Uh, the school system had done a preliminary investigation, and that they had determined literally within a day and a half of receiving the tip that, in fact, the student was overaged, determined that it was quite likely that the birth certificate was was counterfeit or, or, or doctored or uh, a false birth certificate. The student was at Hornville High School for a year. I have seen a photograph of her. Uh, the mother had been in the United States for a, a number of years and actually had a visa status at some point, which was expired, which is not unusual. Uh, visas expire and people overstay their visa in large numbers. Um, but the student herself came into the United States late in the fall of 2021. I saw a photograph of her taken by the government, a processing photo, uh, before she was released uh, into the country. And I can tell you, I haven't seen the lady in person, but she could very easily be taken for a young teenager, without a doubt. The big question from parents is now, oh, what's the purpose of this? Why was she doing it? Is there something nefarious? Uh, well, the answer to that is, based upon everything that we know, uh, the answer is no. Uh, she was in school. She minded her own business. She did her schoolwork. She caused no trouble. She was not a disciplinary problem. Uh, she violated no laws in the community that we had to deal with her. As far as we know, she did nothing inappropriate at all, merely attended school. The information we got about the reason for her doing was this was simple. She wanted to learn English. She wanted to become proficient at English. She was placed in the ninth grade, and I don't want to take all your information away because without uh, grade transcripts, that's where the school system places students because they have to go through the full curriculum if they're indeed working for a high school. Actually, school. literally feeling like heat is radiating from everywhere. Whether actually, like brown, what the sky, the bush, I don't know. It's coming from everywhere. We don't want their headlines. So here is that some actual footage of the woman right here. Actually, what Ness did was he dressed up as a call girl and infected Capone with syphilis, eventually killing him. Do a lot of the people die of syphilis? Oh, absolutely. Historically, syphilis is right up there with Germans. It wiped out the Romanovs. It decimated our fleet at Pearl Harbor. And of course, Fidel Castro impersonated Marilyn Monroe and gave President Kennedy a case of syphilis so severe that eventually it blew the back of his head off. All right, moving right along here. I got some information uh, for those of you that have been following the Rudy Ferris case and his mama, Janie Santana. Well, shit just keeps getting crazy. She's taken eight husbands to court to have called her a serial bigamist. What? What? Crazy. Let's check it out. Uh, I'm going to have to re... Oh, there she is. There she is. Miss America, there she is, your ideal, there she is, freaky as hell she is, 
The Houston mom accused of falsely reporting her son Rudy missing is a divorce court regular. She claimed eight marriages since age 17. Two of her exes have called her a bigamist in court. Seven of her exes live in Texas. Insider could not confirm if her sixth and eighth marriages are still simultaneously current. And one of her husbands died of suicide. She is Elizabeth Taylor of Fugsy missing persons case. What the hell does that mean? Janie Santana, the Houston mom accused of pretending her son Rudy disappeared as a teenager in 2015, has done a lot of marrying, unmarrying, claimed to be married over the decades. Since her first wedding in 1985, Santana has been in and out of family court, waging war on her many husbands. Anybody that is not married to her is one lucky bastard, in my opinion. Exactly how many husbands remains unclear, but Santana now 55 has claimed in court documents to have eight of them. After reading this, I want to just go away and descend the stream right now and go kiss my wife. It's a string of legal common law. And in one case, ultimately fastidious husbands stretching back to her first. I do at age 17. This story gets really creepy. Insider has unearthed nearly 40 years of court documents in hopes of better understanding the woman that Houston police say remains under investigation for allegedly claiming her son was missing for eight years and allegedly made him play daddy when he was home all alone. Her marital battles have been ugly ones filled with cross accusations of adultery, cruelty, and fraud. And as they begged Texas judges to set them free, two of her husbands, her seventh in this document, and her fourth in this one, accused her of serial bigamy. That fourth husband's allegations were substantially correct and proven by full and satisfactory evidence. A judge said in voiding that common law marriage in this ruling from 2013. Who else called her a dirty bigamist? Santana herself. In 2000, she referred to her own simultaneous second and third husbands. An overlap she described in this document as she to court to void that third marriage. Over the years, judges have put asunder nearly all of Santana's eight actual and claimed marriages in the process of resolving what court documents appear to show have been almost continually overlapped. Two of her marriages ended in divorce. Three were voided or annulled by judges. And one, and this is my favorite one, ladies and gentlemen, the marriage she claimed was her second from 97, 1997 to the owner of a furniture Houston store turned out to be completely utterly fiction that's according to him and to her he said i never had any kind of relationship with this woman the second purported husband that's patrick roca told insider let alone marry her i don't know who this woman is that takes care of six of her marriages i'm not going to go on but this just gets keeping i can you know i can tell you about every one of them but i'm not going to because i don't give a damn but I just wanted you to know that that's, that's there. All right. Content warning. Child found living in a rat feces filled drug house in Apple Valley arrests made. This is a new one. I've gone over this one yet. Uh, 
It's from today. Three people are accused of operating a rat feces-filled drug house where a child also lived, according to Apple Valley deputies. On Thursday, deputies followed up on a trip on a tip about possible illegal activity at a home. Deputies served a search warrant at a home in 13400 block. It doesn't matter where. While searching the home, deputies said they found meth, heroin, a taser, drug paraphernalia. The drugs and paraphernalia were accessible to a young child living at the home. According to deputies, rat feces was also found throughout the home. Children and family services were contacted, and the child was released to a family member. Let's name and shame these people. The suspects arrested were Michael J. Myers, 58, Amanda Michelle Smith, 39, and David James Myers, 27. Myers is a previously convicted felon and thus prohibited from owning or possessing a taser, much less marijuana, meth, and heroin. Or he's not even allowed to have rat turds. He was arrested and released at the scene. Well, how about that? David Myers and Amanda Smith were arrested and transported to High Desert Detention Center where they are each being held in lieu of $60,000. Anyone with information about this investigation is asked to call Apple Bottom Sheriff Station 760-240-7400. And this is from uh, the last show we did on Friday. Uh, it's a continuation about that, but I got video and pictures, so we're going to go with this. This is a, two children, the two boys that escaped from a house of horrors. Not whores. Horrors. All right. It's really terrible. It's like something out of a horror movie. The outside of the home on 71st Street in Milwaukee hides a nightmare that prosecutors say two boys lived through and survived. These children were essentially confined to their room for much of their lives, and the door had a latch from the outside, and the windows were shut. Um, I have finally been able to review videos and photographs of the home, and I can tell you that almost every inch of their walls was covered in human feces. The children ages 7 and 9 breaking out of what police call a terrible hoarding situation oh. and what neighbors call a house of horrors oh. on Thursday. The two boys escaped. Covered in human feces. The children ages 7 and 9 breaking out. Look at that. Would you look at that? I wish you'd take a look at that. Look at that curtain. Whoo. Of what police call a terrible hoarding situation and what neighbors call a house of horrors on Thursday. The two boys. Es- what Schmimmins calls his worst damnedest nightmare. This must be the window they broke out. Escaped from. I wonder if they still live in there. This window, a neighbor saw them crawling out of the window barefoot onto the AC unit. They were able to make a run for it. That's when neighbors saw them in the street and called 911. I'm not going to ever forget the way they looked when they came running out of that house. Never forget that. Prosecutors say the boys were naked, covered in feces, blood, and red marks. The look on their faces was pure bewilderment. They just, they were just looking all around. They They could not... Like I said, I don't think they'd ever been outside before. Police arrested the boy's mother, Katie Koch, and her boyfriend, Joel Mankey. Both are charged with multiple counts of chronic neglect of a child and false imprisonment. According to the complaint, the children's room had feces smeared all over the walls of the room. There was also a latch to lock the door from the outside of the kid's room. What did you notice living across from them? 
nothing. We that is actually that is something all of us neighbors talked about because we'd never seen either one of the children. According to the complaint, medics took both boys to a hospital where their heads had to be shaved, their hair full of matted feces. Eventually, they'll they'll learn. I mean, they'll get the help they need. And we just, I hope they realize how people really did care about them. Reporting in Milwaukee, Kendall Keyes, WISN 12 News. Very heartbreaking things going on. And one of the things I find just just about equally as disturbing is that while we're talking about these things, about these certain cases, there's things going on right now. There are children that are locked up in horrible situations. Jesus, I can't even, I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it on YouTube, but human trafficking and child trafficking alone is crazy. And, um, just about every government agency is involved in it. People in the agency and how much, uh, children are trafficked in the amount of money it makes is just about as much as, uh, one of the major corporations like uh, Coca-Cola or Clorox bleach. This is how much money is going around and traffic people and nobody sees anything. It's amazing. Nobody sees anything. There's some evil things going on right now. There's evil women and there's evil men right now. And we'll hear about it tomorrow. Doing some very, very evil things. It's almost like it won't, won't stop. A lot of these people, you know, they're not into child trafficking. They're just evil parents kidnapped teen rescued by good samaritans in california after waving help me son have you guys heard about this a 13 year old girl from texas was rescued in california after waving a help me note to passers-by while allegedly being kidnapped sexually assaulted and dragged on a road trip stephen robert salbin 61 of cleburne texas was charged in the indictment with one count each of kidnapping and transportation of a minor with an intent to engage in criminal sexual activity. The U.S. Attorney's Office said in a press release he is scheduled to be arraigned in downtown L.A., California, July 31st. According to the indictment and affidavit, the young victim was walking in San Antonio on July the 6th when Sablan allegedly raised a black handgun to his side and ordered the victim to get in his sedan. If you don't get in the car with me, I'm going to hurt you, he allegedly told her. She complied and got into his his car. Court documents state that the 61-year-old began driving and told the girl he could take her on a cruise ship to see her friend in Australia. Selbin allegedly told the teen that she had to do something for him first. The adult then allegedly sexually assaulted her and continued while driving from Texas to California. On July 9th, he parked his truck on Long Beach, California, and went to a laundromat to wash their clothes while the victim stayed in the car. While her attacker was preoccupied, officials say the teen victim wrote, Help me, on a piece of scrap paper in an attempt to catch someone's attention. A witness saw the girl and called the Long Beach Police Department who arrived to find the perpetrator outside the car. Authorities say that the teen mouthed help from inside to authorities. During a search of the vehicle, officers received a black BB gun, a help me sign, and a pair of handcuffs. He was arrested and authorities quickly discovered that the victim was reported missing from Texas. Let's read some of the comments from this, shall we? This is from Bob. 
I think there should be some kind of safety program slash instructions given to schoolgirls on how to protect themselves, how to escape from adult predators, how to draw attention to themselves. Isn't there some kind of hand signal now for this purpose? Why can't there be a formal class in school? Okay. I kind of agree with Bob. Maybe I can help out here. So for all of you girls or ladies that have girls, it might be in a similar situation. A man says, I will hurt you if you don't come with me. I want you to kick him right in his balls and yell, fire, 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 and continue to kick him in the balls about 20 to 30 times. Don't stop. And then if he falls down, stomp on his balls while yelling fire. This is the next comment from Never Again. In some cases, boys need this too. Think of Michael Jackson or all the various events with priests. Strange things happen to many people. That said, when I was little, this was taught. It was a full class, but there it wasn't a full class, but there were constant discussions from grown-ups about what to do and very, kick him in the balls. Shin balls, shin balls, 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 shin balls. Monica, well, the world was actually a lot worse when I was growing up in the 80s, but yes, self-defense classes are good. Number one rule, never go to a second location. If someone brandishes a weapon and tells you to get in the car, you don't. If they're going to shoot you there, at least you'll be around other people and the odds of getting help are better than if you they take you somewhere remote. That's absolutely true. And while you're staying there, you might as well kick him in the balls about 12 times. Let's go to our next story. Now, this is another piece of work, guys. So those of you that are just tuning into this particular story, I want to let you know that you can subscribe, hit that bell so you get all the notifications when we go live. You become a member so you can see this, you know, this live. Go ahead and hit that like button if you like it. This couple was arrested for trafficking victims after bailing them out of jail. A man and woman from Orlando are facing human trafficking charges for targeting victims by sometimes bonding them out of jail in exchange for performing sexual acts with customers. On Wednesday, the agency arrested Joselito Martinez-Gonzalez and Tanya Worcester for trafficking at least three women throughout Central Florida between 2019 and 2021. On Wednesday, the agency wait, wait, wait. The agency said Martinez Gonzalez and Worcester would provide the woman a place to stay, usually after bonding them out of jail before advertising them online to customers. Financial records obtained by the MBI indicate Martinez Gonzalez and Worcester took all proceeds from the activity and made as much as three hundred thousand dollars. Holy crap! But they didn't pay taxes either. The agency said the victims sometimes have the head shaved off of their heads or would be tattooed with for branding purposes. So you ladies that were in there talking about wanting to shave off your heads, I didn't think you meant doing it like this. So, In addition to being suspect to threats of violence as a way of controlling the victims. According to the news release, Martinez, Gonzalez, and Worcester had a minor child together that was often present in the home while the commercial sex dates were occurring. Martinez, Gonzalez, and Worcester were booked in the Orange County Jail and will be facing prosecution from the Florida Attorney General's Office. Florida Department of Corrections records show that Martinez, Gonzalez, and Worcester spent three years and 18 months in prison, respectively, for a conspiracy to commit organized fraud, $50,000 or more, as part of an 
unemployment benefit scam. The NBI believe there may be additional victims that have not been identified. I bet there's a lot of those. The agency is asking anyone with information about other victims or the defendants to call their office, local law enforcement, or crime at 1-800-423-8477. Victims of human trafficking may reach out to the 24-hour Victim Service Center at Central Florida Hotline at 407-500-4325. Let's look at some of these comments. How can someone reconcile it in their mind to do this to another person? It's difficult to comprehend, especially a woman who does it to another woman. It's complete lack of regard and or feeling for human, for fellow humans. I agree with easy pickings. That's very true, but um, criminals are criminals. They make money the easy way by breaking laws. And they also will never obey a gun law, just so you know. Eric, well, I suppose they would argue that they're just entrepreneurs, bell bondsmen with an inventive business model, but I think they're terrible people, and I hope someone in prison gives them the same treatment. Final comment. No, actually, two more comments. Starting with this one, they should each get life imprisonment in a high-security prison with a minimum of 40 years, or if Florida has a death penalty, make that be useful just and execute both. Any acts of human trafficking equals slavery should have automatic death penalties with no appeal, no exception. They're actually working on that law in Florida, death penalty for trafficking, death penalty for uh, molestation of children. And the final comment, and this is why I don't let strangers bail me out. All right. Uh, this is also from Texas. I don't know how many of you heard this. It freaked me out. And I think this is our last story. Yeah, it is. About the man that got bit by a flea and had to amputate all of his limbs. New at five, a Houston man has been fighting for his life in the hospital. He's lost both of his hands and parts of his feet, and this is all from a flea bite. Fox 26's Sherman DeSalle joins us live in the newsroom. And Sherman, you spoke with this man's mother about this. Fill us in. Yeah, good evening, Anthony. Hold on a second. I just want to say hello to Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is awesome. If this is the real Beetlejuice, thank you. You're awesome. If it's not, thank you still for watching the show. Beetlejuice, everybody. Uh, Dealey Pickles says, my mom used to have us take out pencils into a store with us while traveling when I was little. Man, you guys are talking about hurting some people. Rip them off. Balls. Balls. Ball, ball, balls. Don't let your kids wander off without supervision these days. All right. He's armless. Oh, loudy. Don't let those fleas bite you either rashi the family's devastated right now michael Kalov's mother says that this started last month after he came to visit her in san antonio she just had a surgery and he wanted to help his mom out around the house for a few weeks but when he got there he wasn't feeling well he was dealing with some flu-like symptoms and on june 19th michael was admitted into the er by the next day he was on a ventilator and a lot of medication to deal with the pain his organs were also failing and his hands and feet had dry gangrene the doctors were able to confirm that it was a severe case of typhus from, get this, a single flea bite. At one point, doctors told the family to say their goodbyes, 
thinking he may not make it. Every second we see him is, you know, we're completely depending on the doctors and the nurses and just still to see him in such a horrible amount of pain every day um, is hard to watch to this day. Wow. Well, Michael had both of his hands amputated to his forearms, and he just had one of the many surgeries planned for his feet. Now, coming up at 9 tonight, we're going to hear about this horrible condition, Ooh. how he's doing. And a local infectious disease doctor tells us how you can prevent this from happening to you. Live in the newsroom, Sherman DeSalle, Fox 26 News. Oh, my. I'd like to thank you guys for joining us tonight. For those of you that are we're watching it live i'm going to take this video down as soon as we're done i'm going to chop it up into individual um pieces actually i'm not just taking it down i'm just putting it over to members only so guys it really helps you if you want to become a member if you want to be a member you get extra stuff i also want to let you know that we own a radio station i'm not broadcasting on it live unfortunately but there'll be a re-airing of the show because why not but you can go to midnightrad.io to listen to our radio station. You can go to the Google Play Store and download the app. Just look up Midnight Radio, and that's the Midnight Radio app. You can also download the TuneIn app because we're on TuneIn. We're also on iHeartRadio, so the iHeartRadio device. We're on in all vehicle consoles now. We're on all phones, Apple or Google, so you can always get good radio. It's radio without limits. We don't have to abide with whatever this, the, the um, FCC tells us to do. And we don't have a major company that's in charge of us telling us what to do. Matter of fact, we're on the air because of you guys. Everything that you guys donate to this show goes into our radio station to keep it going. We do that just for you. What we get out of this we give back because we believe in value for value and if you'd like to keep us going you can do that in the form of a donation whether you do it as a super sticker or a super thanks here on youtube or a donation to our cash app cash app dollar sign midnight radio 101 we're all going to be back i'm going to be back real soon until then good night God bless. And, oh, you thought I was done, didn't you? No, I'm not done. You want to join our Discord. Right after this show, I'm going to put a link to our Discord in the about. Join our Discord. It's free. And we do awesome things in there. We have awesome information. Do you like uh, hairless Elmo pics? I'm going to have a hairless Cookie Monster in there. It's going to be awesome. I got a picture of Cookie Monster uh, biting big bird in the ass there's awesome things in there big bird set on some cookies or something i think it's something from family guy and also this friday guys we're having something called we're having something called fruit loop friday we have it every friday we stream it just to members only and then after we're on here and i go over a crazy disturbing stuff and then we go and we're going to watch a movie in discord we're going to watch what is the movie we're going to watch, guys? Um, damn, it, I forgot. Hold on. I'm serious. I don't remember it. It has James <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne in it. What is the name of that movie? Damn it. Event Horizon. Event Horizon. We're going to watch Event Horizon at 6 p.m. on Friday 
after a 4 p.m. show, 6 p.m. in the Discord. Thank you. Good night. God bless. Until next time, all my best, guys. Wait, I got to say hello to Christian Mayers. Also, if you want to see the whole show uninterrupted and in the best audio quality possible, I mean pristine, a lot better than we get here on on YouTube, then join us on Spotify. Look on Spotify and uh, what do you call it? Subscribe to Midnight Radio. You'll get the whole thing uninterrupted. <laughs>